and um, I can see better than I have been able to see in over 50 years. In fact, I'm driving without glasses. I uh, couldn't do anything without glasses prior to that. The only thing is, after you have surgery, your eyes get better for several, several days, the first few weeks. And after mine had gotten probably as good as they're going to get, I looked in the mirror one day. <clears throat> then I went to Sister Coon and I said, baby, I said, I don't know how you stayed with me all these years. I didn't know I looked so bad. But I said, my God, I look a mess. <clears throat> I didn't know I was so old and wrinkled. And uh, so I don't know if you want to have surgery or not. Now, that's what I look like to myself. Now, I haven't told you what you look like, but uh, we'll save that for another day. Praise God. <laughs> well, isn't it a joy to be in Generette for the Bible conference? Praise God. God bless you. I so enjoyed Brother Booker preaching last night. Amen. Uh, I love Brother Larry Booker. Now, he sounds good on tape, but he's not near as good on tape as he is in person. You just can't see all those faces and all of that junk on the tape. And he says more just saying it around than I can say talking. So I love to hear Brother Booker. And Brother Steve McMullen, wasn't that a tremendous message today? I love what he preached. Thank you, Brother McMullen. Thank God. I want to be an apostolic holiness believer. <clears throat> Amen. There is a polarity to holiness. Um, I used to play with a magnet a little bit when I could get a hold of one when I was a kid. And you know a magnet draws things, but you can take a magnet, you can take the same magnet that draws things, and you can take that same magnet and you can push stuff away, push it all over the place. Holiness pushes things out of our lives and it pulls things into our lives. The same message that causes you to get rid of some things is the same message that brings some things into your life. Praise God. And pretty early in your walk with God, you ought to get the dress code right. You ought to get the watching or what you watch right and what you read right. And you ought to get the outside of it fixed up pretty, pretty soon, but I want to tell you what, when you get, when you get all of that fixed up, there's something about being like him and becoming like him and getting his mind and his spirit and being his friend is going to take the rest of your life to accomplish. Praise God. You can dress like we dress and live like we live without the Holy Ghost. You don't have to have the Holy Ghost to dress like we dress. You can do that through discipline. You can do that through your own philosophy and through your own idea. I had a grandmother that hated Pentecost. She hated Pentecost. I never saw her elbows. I never saw her knees. I never saw her have one kind of makeup, any kind of jewelry. I never saw that much of her neck under her chin. She was the epitome of what looked good and what Look right, but she hated this apostolic message. You can just do it because you want to do like that. But brother, you can't be holy unto God without the Holy Ghost. Praise God. To have a relationship with God, there's got to be something on the inside. I don't want to just look like a preacher. I want to have a good spirit. I want to have a good attitude. I want to treat my wife right. I want to pay my bills. I want to pay my taxes. Praise God. There's more to it than just what you see. There's got to be something on the inside. God put it down on the inside of us today. Hallelujah. Thank God for apostolic preaching. Hallelujah. And my, I'm, I'm delighted to be here. And I want to say that I love Brother Lionel Lyles. I have it in my notes that when I die, if Brother Lyles is living, he's to sing at my funeral. And I don't want you to come with no stinking tape to play. I want you to bring your guitar. Praise God. <coughs> Hallelujah. I'm not planning on it anyway soon, so you can wait till you tune your guitar. When I get old, I'll, I might do that. But right now, I don't have it in mind. Praise God. 
I'm like an old brother in my church. He died. I didn't think he was going to get enough pallbearers uh, to bury the poor guy. He's a good saint of God, but he, he, he left his family's his wishes, and he said, I don't want anybody being a pallbearer in my funeral or having anything to do with my funeral that has a mustache or a beard or doesn't wear a suit. Well, I had to say, shave all the grandkids and everything else to have enough pallbearers. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just like him. Uh, I, I'm, I told my wife, I said, if you can't find enough people to carry my casket without beards and mustaches and wearing turtleneck shirts and all that mess, you just, you just let the funeral director pick out somebody and bury me in a stump hole. I'm not interested in no church funeral. Amen. But thank God, I, I, believe, I believe there'll be enough around. I hope there is anyway. Praise God. God bless you. And if, if, if Brother Lyles is around, I want him to sing it. Amen. My, I love Brother Lionel Lyles and his good wife. I'm going to tell you now, he's a great pastor and he's a great leader. But brother, that woman is a worker. Yeah. Amen. And I really, really appreciate this life. Brother Morgan, one of the finest young men in Pentecost. Did I tell you that before he ever come to Generette? Did I tell you that? I've told a lot of people that. And I still say that, one of the finest young men in the world. And uh, I really love Brother Morgan and his family. God bless him. And all of you good preachers, I count you as my friends and my brethren. And I would love to be hearing you preach today. And as you get older, one of the things that is the greatest treasure in your life is to have friends in the ministry. And I count you guys my friends. Praise God. And I love you. And I have the deepest of respect for every one of you. God bless you. And I wish you were up here preaching and I was sitting back there listening. But since it's my time, I will do my best. Uh, a few weeks ago, Brother McMullen and myself and Brother Darren Hush, I saw him here somewhere, Brother Hush. Uh, the three of us were privileged to be in a conference in Canada. And my, we had a time preaching and singing and worshiping and all of that. Praise God. I want to tell you, we got some wonderful young men, younger preachers. Brother, they are talented. They're good preachers. They live right. I feel good about this apostolic movement. I feel good about the way we're going. Praise God. It's not just a bunch of old, us old codgers that's got the truth and living right and believe it right. We got a lot of young men that believe it just as right as we believe it. Praise God. They live it just as right as we live it. I'm on your side, brothers. Amen. I'm on your side. Stay in there with it. Praise God. And don't change and, and don't give up on this wonderful message. Praise God. Well, the Lord bless you. My, I'm feeling good about being here. And, you know, I'm going to get this watch off and uh, so I can watch the time. Now, I don't know what time we eat lunch, but... Uh, I'm not planning on missing that. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't want to wear everybody out, but I want to try to preach a little bit. You know, <clears throat> I, I, I said this at Melville. I preached for Brother Majors this past weekend. It was his birthday, and uh, he's a little older than I am, and I think both of us are pretty much wore out. But, and I was, telling, I was telling the church, I pastored in Gina for 30 years this month, and in 30 years, I've had people come in and tell me, Brother Coon, my old knees is just wore out. And my old hip is just wore out. And they replaced hip joints and knee joints and all kinds of stuff. And uh, my old ears, I can't hear. And I just, every, I've watched people in Gina and everything in the world is wore out on people in Gina. And I mean that. <laughs> and, uh, but I said this, and it is the truth. I've never had anybody walk in that church and say, Brother Coon, my old tongue is just wore out. <laughs> I just flat wore out. <laughs> I'm telling you, brother, everything else is wore out, but it's still working good. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's just, just an interesting thing. I've got some folks, I wish it would wear out. My, my, my. And everything else can get paralyzed and broke, but I don't ever remember anybody with a paralyzed tongue. Just 
one of the best members of your body for function, and I'll tell you that. Well, hallelujah. So I don't want to wear you out today, but, uh, and I don't guess my tongue's wore out, so um, I'll try to preach a little bit. Would you like to stand? God bless you. And uh, I don't know if you want to listen to me preach or not. I Usually when I get up to preach, especially if somebody's following me, I always like to get my watch out so I can watch the time. And I've got it out here today so I can watch the time. <clears throat> I was preaching in uh, Texas several years ago. Uh, I think it was a men's convention. And uh, I was the first speaker, and uh, they had another speaker coming after me. And so I wanted to watch the time. And uh, I always take my watch off or usually take it off, and I'll slip it in my Bible or put it in my pocket. And I walked up to the pulpit, and uh, I was greeting the congregation, and I was looking through my Bible. I couldn't find my watch. I felt it in both of my pockets. I couldn't find my watch. And uh, I was looking around, feeling around, and uh, trying to find my watch. Couldn't find my watch. And... Uh, Finally, I realized I got to have a watch. I don't want to preach over time here and get in the other fellow's time frame. So I just stopped and said, I need to borrow somebody's watch. I said, I've lost my watch. And Brother Kilgore was there, and he said, he stood up, and he said, Brother Coon, you can have my watch. He said, I'll, I'll give you that watch, or we'll buy you a watch. You lost your watch here in Texas. I said, no, I don't, you don't have to buy me a watch. I just want to borrow it for tonight. So I borrowed Brother Kilgore's watch and put it on the pulpit, and uh, I preached and finished. And when I got through, I went back to my chair, and I knelt down and prayed. I looked all around the chair. I thought I'd drop my watch. Looked everywhere. <clears throat> looked through my Bible again. Felt in all my pockets again. Didn't have my watch. And I said, well, lost my watch somewhere. And uh, fellowshiped around, talked with everybody. Got home late that night, got in the motel, started to take off my shirt. My watch was on my arm. <laughs> I said, well, hallelujah. How, how ignorant can you get? <laughs> Amen. So here I am today. I don't know if you want to listen to me preach or not. But uh, I can see everybody good, but I can't read a lick. And uh, so... I used to see people put their glasses on and off. It aggravates me. And uh, I'm aggravating myself now. I'm, I'm very serious. It aggravates me. You know, I used to think, well, you ought to wear the things or get rid of them. And uh, I got a dollar 98 cent pair or something here. I don't know what to cost. No, my wife bought these for me. I had a pair that cost a dollar and nine cents, and it was black horn-rimmed glasses. I used to wear them 50 years ago. She said, them things are so ugly, I don't want you to wear them to that conference. She went and bought me a $5 pair. <laughs> so uh, here I am with my expensive glasses on today. And uh, so I'm going to try to read a little bit. If you have your Bibles, now my message is uh, we all preach. Me and Brother Mac Mullen, we preach the same thing and we're on the same page. And what he said was absolutely Phenomenal, and I want to adopt that in my life, brother. That's a powerful message. And uh, what I have to say today is is in another total direction. So uh, I hope that you can make the switch in your mind, and uh, we can just talk about the word of the Lord. All right, in the book of Romans, chapter five, and Romans chapter eight. I would like to read Romans 5, beginning at verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God 
And the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by, that, by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reign by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Now, I could read on, and it's all very interesting. <clears throat> Notice that in verse 16, he said, For the judgment was by one to condemnation. In verse number 18, he said, Therefore is by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Now, in chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of of sin and death. And everybody said amen. amen. And you may be seated. The Lord bless you. Now if you will pardon me. I'm going to get out of this jacket. I'm, I got in a terrible habit years ago. Of preaching without a coat. And I can't break that. So I apologize for that. <clears throat> and uh, that's just a problem. But uh, I want to talk to you for a little while. Today. <clears throat> pardon me about a superior law, a superior law. Now, in the book of Romans alone, now not, not the rest of the New Testament, but in the book of Romans alone, there are seven different laws that are found. Very interesting. I have preached or taught on some of them, but not all of them. <clears throat> Uh, and these are not necessarily in the order that you would find them in the book of Romans, but if you would study the book of Romans, you would find the Bible mentions, Romans mentions the law of Moses. Now, I don't think I have to go into all of these with explanation. The law of Moses was not a law that was given by Moses. It was given to Moses. Um, and it was in his ministry, it was in that dispensation, the law of Moses has to do with the ceremonial law. We all understand that, and it's very, very interesting. <clears throat> Paul refers to that law of Moses, and the law of Moses, of course, is made up of many, many laws. Thou shalt and thou shalt not. Paul talks in the book of Romans about the law of faith. Now, that is a very interesting law when you think about it and you study about it. Very interesting subject. <clears throat> Paul also talks in the book of Romans about the law of the mind. That is an interesting law, the law of the mind. He said that he served God with the law of the mind, but he served sin in the, or served in the flesh, the law of sin. The Bible also talks in the book of Romans about the law of sin and death. I just read to you about that. Uh, <clears throat> and Paul was talking about the fact he was made free from that law of sin and death. <clears throat> the Bible in this same book of 16 chapters talks about the law of righteousness. Again, all of these are very uh, extensive and very interesting. Another Statement that is used by Paul is the law of God. Now, that is not just referring to the uh, Pentateuch. It's not referring to just Old Testament era. 
the law of God. That is a composite. It, it, it encompasses many, many things in the scripture. The law of God. Very, very powerful, powerful, far-reaching entity. Another law that is the seventh law <clears throat> that is mentioned here is the law of the spirit of life. The law of the spirit of life. Now, as you would well know, I don't have time to explore and to discuss every one of these laws. But most of the time in our study and in our reading of the scripture, we come across the word law. And we who are of the dispensation of grace and the heir of grace and grace preachers in the sense, in the true sense that Brother McMullen talked about today, when we hear the word law, we automatically have a sort of closed feeling toward that and, and we sort of raise up some barriers against the idea of the law because we are not under the law as oftentimes we think of the law. But let me say this to you tonight, and I, I certainly are today, I'm certainly not an advocate of us being under the ceremonial law that was in the era of Moses. We understand that we have gone from law to grace, understand that. But the word law in the book of Romans, in the way and in the sense that Paul is describing it, and he has written to us about it, does not always, in fact it does not, in any of these instances, refer to something that is a decree that thou shalt or thou shalt not. In fact, whenever Paul uses the word law in the book of Romans, uh, and, and you can do the research on this. I won't go into all the little details. Uh, but the word law in these particular laws that he mentions is a principle that God has set in motion. It is a power that exists or an influence. Or it is a truth that is real and that is evident. Just as there is what we call a law of nature. <clears throat> we understand all of that. It's not something that is uh, just a decree or an order, but this is something that God has set in motion, and it's powerful, and it's very, very strong. It is a regulative principle of the almighty God. Amen. And so is such, <clears throat> somewhat like the law of gravity. It, it just exists. It is there. It is something that God said it shall be and it is and it functions and it operates and we understand all of that. Now, I said all of that to bring us to the point of this message today. Now, in the book of Romans chapter 8, <coughs> Paul refers to the fact and he comes to the point here in his writing He's been writing about all of this, and in fact, in verse number 25 of chapter 7, he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, uh, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, he's not telling you here, and I don't have time to define and explain all of that. He's not making Christian scientists out of us. And that it's all in our mind and it's all in our head. And that's the way we serve God is in some mental uh, relationship uh, or so forth with God. That is not what he is saying. And I don't have time to talk about it. But he goes on and says, there is therefore, <clears throat> that right at this moment, right now, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Praise God. I'm glad today we are not living in and under condemnation. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. But, and he went on to tell us why that we are not living in that kind of a life. He said, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Praise God. Now, remember, all seven of these are powerful and they're mighty and they're strong and they operate and they function as a principle of God. But I want to tell you today that God, in his 
divinity and in his power and in his salvation work, he created a law that was superior to another law. He created another principle that overrides a prior principle. Amen. And this principle is the law of the spirit of life. And I've come to tell you today that the spirit of life is a more powerful law than the spirit of the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. I'm glad there is something greater than the law of sin and death. There is something greater than the power of sin in the life of a man today. Praise God. And it is the law of the spirit of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> now, Paul is saying here, and, and I'm going to try to slow down and just take my time. He is saying that there is therefore now, at this very moment, at this very uh, present hour, in our existence, there is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus and walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, I understand the three conditions there. Uh, there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ, number one, who walk not after the flesh, number two, uh, but those who walk after the Spirit is number three. I understand the threefold condition of not us not being in a state of condemnation. Praise God. And brother, I want to tell you it's a wonderful thing today to sit here in this Bible conference in Generette, Louisiana, and be able to say that there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, it's a, it's a great thing to be in Christ. And I think we all understand how we get in Christ. If any man is baptized into Christ, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And the old things pass away and all things become new. I'm glad today for the power of water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'm glad today for the wonderful power of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Praise God. I'm glad today that I've been baptized in Jesus' name. I'm glad today that I've been baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Praise God. And so because I've been baptized in the name of Jesus, I have been baptized with the Holy Ghost. I am in Christ. Praise God. I'm here to tell you the old things are gone and everything is new. We are a new creature in Christ Jesus today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And brother, and I'm, I'm for this, but I want to tell you being a new creature in Christ is more than just looking different than you looked a few days ago. That's important. I'm telling you. But being a new creature in Christ is something that goes far deeper and far more powerful and far stronger than that. You can come out tomorrow looking different than you look today and still be the same old sinner. But brother, when you get born again of the water and the spirit, there is something powerful on the inside. There's a work of grace. There's a work of power. There's a work of the Holy Ghost that nothing can duplicate in your life. Hallelujah. You can't just be uh, reformed and conformed and <clears throat> you, can't, uh, you can't be uh, somehow uh, rejuvenated in some kind of a center to become like this. Amen. This is from heaven. Praise God. Brother, the Holy Ghost is from heaven today. This is not just an apostolic gimmick. This is something from on high that God has put inside of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so Paul is saying here that there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ. Now, who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. He's saying all of that. Now, I want you to notice something, and if you have your Bibles, I want you to notice here that um, in the book of Romans, he says, for the judgment in verse 16 of chapter 5, I read it to you. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. I want you to notice. Now, I'm, I'm preaching about there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ. In verse number 18 of chapter 5, he said, Therefore is by the offense of one, 
Judgment came upon all men to condemnation. I want you to think of that. <clears throat> Everybody come under condemnation. Now, I want you to kind of stay with me through uh, going through all of this. Uh, some things I preach you can tune in and out of and balance your checkbook and watch your kids or look at your grandkids and stuff and you won't miss much. may not miss much if you do it today. But you can kind of tune in and out. But if you tune in and out on this, you'll think I'm goofy or I'm preaching some kind of false doctrine. So kind of stay with me through the story. But uh, <clears throat> I'm talking about that uh, we, we are not under condemnation. But when you go back to the original sentence of man, uh, by one man's sin, death passed upon all men. And that's the reason all die. And not only did death pass upon us, but condemnation passed upon all of us. Amen. Now, when you talk about condemnation, now most of us think about condemnation in this sense. It is in the sense that we are slipping around doing something that we don't have any business doing, and we feel condemned about it. <clears throat> Anybody ever been condemned before? Now, you don't have to raise your hand uh, because, you know, I don't want to incriminate anybody. Praise God. And uh, I guess I'm kind of like a guy who was speaking to a public audience. He's a public speaker. And he said, I want to know, is anybody here in this building that has never told a lie? I'd like for you to raise your hand. Well, nobody raised their hand because everybody, I guess, has told a lie. He said, is anybody here hadn't stole anything? Well, nobody raised their hand that nobody stole anything. So he said, you know, I feel right at home among you thieves and liars. Praise God. Now, I'm not incriminating you. Maybe nobody's told a lie. Nobody, maybe nobody's stole anything. Amen. I'm kind of like old Bishop Tyson. He was a black bishop in Indianapolis. He's a dear friend of mine. And uh, I preached for him. He'd preached for me. We was good friends. And um, I remember he was teaching Bible study in Christ's temple one day in Indianapolis. And he said, I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, something. He said, you've been lying since the minute you was born. And I'm sitting there listening to Bishop Tyson. He's a very brilliant man. I'm thinking, now, how was I lying from the minute I was born? He said, I'm going to tell you again. He said, you were lying from the minute you was born. He said, you laid in there, in there up there in that bed, and you squalling, and you squalling, and you squalling. And he said, your mama pick you up, and you hush. He said, what's nothing wrong with you? He said, you was a lion. <laughs> Amen. So he said, you've been lying since you was born. Amen. <clears throat> well, I'm sorry. Has anybody here maybe escaped ever feeling condemned? Never been condemned once? I can just tell you one thing. If you have never been condemned once, I know you're not married for sure. <laughs> I just know that for a living fact. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Have you ever just felt bad about something you did? My God, I have. Amen. And, and we think about condemnation as just, you know, slipping around smoking a cigarette. And you feel so condemned. Oh, yeah. Or you, you, you do something that's wrong. You know, I remember when I was a kid in school. Now, I'm not going to tell you any names, but I remember... When I was a kid in school, there was a boy that come to school that had a stereoptic. You know what a stereoptic is or a stereo view? It's one of them little things you put up to your eyes and you click it and it's got a little disc in it and it goes around in a circle. That was old time television, I guess. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Hallelujah. Kind of upgraded it where it'll move on a little faster than that now, but... <clears throat> You know, you click, click them pictures. Well, I was just a little country boy. I'd never seen one of them jiggers in my life. Amen. And this boy brought one to school. And uh, he laid it 
on the teacher's desk. We, we, we all got a chance to look in there. I never saw anything like that in my life. <laughs> it was something. I'm, I'm serious now. You know, I'm 68, so I'm, I'm not like you young people on computers and all that stuff. Now, you think you got something hot with a computer. You ain't had nothing hot till you get a stereo optic. <laughs> I'm just telling you. <clears throat> Buddy, and, and I was so enthralled with this thing and so excited about this thing. And, and he laid it up on the teacher's desk, and we went in the class, and then after class was over, everybody went out for recess. Well, there wasn't nobody in the room, and I was the last one out, and I stole that thing. I remember taking that thing home with me and put it under, put it in my book sack, got to the house. We lived 10 miles out in the country road school bus. I couldn't wait till I got home, and I showed it to Mama. My mother had the Holy Ghost. She said, son, where'd you get this? I said, there was a boy at school, give me this. Well, you know, you know the, that kind of story. <laughs> so here, here I am, little thieving liar. Not only have I stole something, I'm a lying about stealing something. And I'm telling you, I, I didn't have the Holy Ghost, but I had been around church enough. I felt so condemned about what I was doing. And I remember I kept that thing two or three days. Teacher talked about it every day. And uh, we looked. She sent us out on the playground. I went out on the playground, helped them look for the thing. <laughs> I'm serious. We looked high and low all over the playground. <laughs> they said, Crawford, you saw it? I said, no, man, I've been down in that gully. I've been over behind the football field. Now, I'd tell you who owned it, but the boy's still living in Gina, and he's... Him and I are good friends. I still don't want him to know about that. I've got the Holy Ghost since then. <clears throat> and I remember, I remember I kept that thing for two or three days, Brother Lyles. And it was just eating my lunch. I was condemned about that. Amen. Brother, you talking about condemned. I was condemned. I remember <clears throat> I took it back to school. And I had it hid in my bookcase. Nobody knew I had it. And I remember, I remember the teacher saying, now, if anybody has got that stereo view or stereo optic, uh, we're going to all put our heads on the desk and close our eyes. And if anybody's got it, you come put it on the desk and we won't know who got it. Well, I was smarter than that. I was doing what all the rest of them was doing. I was, I was hiding my eyes, but I was looking out under my elbow too. And I just... You know, I was wondering who was going to bring it up there. Well, a little lying reprobate. <laughs> I knew I knew nobody's going to bring it up there. I had that thing hid myself. Amen. And I remember, I remember, I, I just, I couldn't live with that thing any longer. Old Brother Gewin, you remember Brother Marvin Gewin. He used to say, he's your pastor. He's my pastor too at one time. He said, I'd rather sleep with a wet dog than a guilty conscience. He said, I can at least kick the wet dog out, but you can't kick a wet conscience out or a guilty conscience out. And that's the truth. Well, I lived with that thing as long as I could. And one day I went off on the back side of the school ground where nobody was watching. I took the thing out of the book sack and I took off for the teacher's room. I went a running and I told the teacher, I said, hey, I found this boy's stereo optic down here. My God, I finally discovered it. Amen. Oh, brother, I'm going to tell you what. Now, all of you, all of you legalists and all of you authoritarians, you'd probably say, well, Brother Coon, you handled that wrong. I must have been about eight or nine years old. I didn't know how you handled sin. I didn't know how you handled all that kind of mess. I just knew one thing. I had to get rid of that booger. Amen. I'd, I'd, I'd seen all the pretty little pictures I wanted to see, buddy. Hallelujah. That's better than some of you are doing. <laughs> Hallelujah. At least they got rid of the jigger anyway. Praise God. And I can't, amen. I can't get folks in Gina get rid of nothing hardly. Praise God. Now, as you've heard me say, now we have a few folks in Gina's got television. I'm telling you, I do good with my saints because my saints don't watch nothing but the news. <laughs> amen. <laughs> you, that's, that's what they say, Brother Lyles. I don't know. Amen. <laughs> I do know we have some long newscasts in Gina. Some of them kind of run on, 
kind of run on all day. Yeah, about eight hours news, ain't Gina? You know, we got to Gina 6. You understand that? We got a lot of news. Hallelujah. Amen. But I just knew. I'm, I'm just telling you. I don't know if I did it right or not. And I asked God to forgive me many times. And I've thought about that many times. And I know one thing. It was a good feeling to get rid of that thing. And to go to the house and, and not try to go to sleep that night. Because, brother, many times I'd come in my house where, where my mother and dad was separated. And I'd hear my old mother. She'd be praying. And she'd say, God, I want you to save Crawford. That's my first name. And she was crying and tears was running down her face. And she'd say, God, Crawford's going to hell if you don't save him and give him the Holy Ghost. Brother, I'm telling you, I'd have to make a short order to get out of that house. I couldn't stand that. And my old mother prayed for me. And I knew I was under condemnation. I was under guilt. And I was under shame. It was a good thing to get rid of that thing. And a lot of times, that's what we think that condemnation in the Bible. Where Paul said, there is therefore now no condemnation. We think that's just a little boy with a stereoptic. That's somebody with a pack of cigarettes head. I want to tell you, this condemnation he's talking about is far more reaching than all of that. It's far deeper than all of that. Amen. <clears throat> now let me get my glasses out. And, uh, Hallelujah. And I can't pronounce this with my glasses, I don't think. But uh, <clears throat> this word condemnation, in Romans chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation. And uh, it comes from a Greek word, katakrima. And it means... An adverse sentence, it means to judge against. It means a verdict that has been rendered against you. It means to damn a person to perdition and to destruction and to being lost. I looked the word up in Webster's Dictionary. And when you condemn something, you pass and advance judgment on them. And you utter a sentence against them judicially. And you doom them. <clears throat> now, I want you to follow me very closely. Paul said that now then, there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ. Amen. There is now no advance sentence against you. And you are judicially condemned to go to hell because... You don't have that anymore. There is now no condemnation. Hallelujah. I wonder if 12 of you guys could just come up here on the platform. I won't keep you up here long. Just 12 of you preachers. Come on up here. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything to you. Come on. Come on, Brother Anderson. Hallelujah. Amen. My old buddy, he can't hardly get around. My, my, my. He's 68. Perk up, buddy. I'm 68. I can do better now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. Have we got 12 guys up here? There's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Just right. 10, 11, 12. All you guys get up here. Line up across the platform right there. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> now, when you look at the human race, brothers and sisters, when you look at you and I, the Bible says... That by the sin of one man, condemnation passed upon all. Does the Bible teach that or not? Now, that means C-O-N-D-E-M-N-A-T-I-O-N. Condemnation. That means that for the whole human race, there was a law of sin and death that was instituted. That was a principle. There was an operative function in the atmosphere, in the world, whether you want it or not, that because of one man's sin, sin or death passed upon all men. Sin and death reigned supreme. Condemnation was on everybody. Everybody was condemned to hell. Am I right or wrong? You didn't come here saved. You come here under condemnation. You come here with a sentence against you. 
that you must be born again of the water and the Spirit or you can't see the kingdom of God. Is this Bible or not? Amen. And brother, that was our lot. That is their lot. They are representing us, the sentence of condemnation. Every last one of us was under the same threat of Almighty God. Hallelujah. But oh, bless God. I want to tell you that Paul said, the God of heaven, he come along and he instituted a law that was far superior to that law of sin and death. And it is called the law of the spirit of life. Hallelujah. And brother, when you get full of the Holy Ghost, when you get born again of the water and the spirit, I want to tell you that it erases that sentence against you. It erases that condemnation against you. It erases that judgment against you. Hallelujah. And you can walk away and say, thank God, I'm not under a sentence anymore. I'm free in Christ. I've got the Holy Ghost. I'm on my way to heaven. Hallelujah. I am free. I am free. I am free. Thank you, brothers. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you, man. I appreciate that very, very much. Now, here we are tonight, or today, excuse me, and, um, and we, uh, we are no longer under that sentence. He said, now there's now no condemnation to them who are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I'm going to tell you, and, and I don't really want to read anything in the Scripture that is not in there. But that being free from that sentence is contingent upon you being in Christ and upon you not walking after the flesh. Amen. Brother, if we go back to walking after the flesh, Brother Lyles, we go back to the old sinful lifestyle, we're going to go back under the condemnation again. We're going to go back under the sentence again. I want to stay free from all of that. I want to stay free from the guilt and free from the shame and free from the feeling that I used to have in my soul. Praise God, praise God. <clears throat> hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, I'm trying to hurry. And uh, I, I, wanna, I don't want to miss that meal. I'm thinking about that Cajun cooking. Hallelujah. And I certainly don't want to miss it. Now, if you have your Bibles. If you have your Bibles. I'd like to, I'm, I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to be smart. Not very smart. But I'm just trying to help you <clears throat> with your Life for God. Amen. Now, in the book of 1 John, chapter 3, that we're talking about there is therefore now no condemnation. We're talking about a superior law. Now, when you think about this, now, not that my preaching is so marvelous. I'm going to tell you it's a marvelous thing when you think about that you've got a law that has everybody under a sentence Everybody under a judgment. Everybody under the same threat. And then the God of heaven comes along and he sets a principle higher than that one that can free you from this other one over here. Brother, you're talking about something. It is a powerful something. And you say, well, Brother Coon, I thought, you know, I did this and I did that and I did something else and I felt so condemned. Well, I want to help you just a little bit. In the book of 1 John, and there's other scriptures, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to do all the references I could do. But in 1 John chapter 3, in verse 19, John said, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Let me just stop here for a moment and just call your attention to the fact that first John is filled with the statement that we know. Have you ever noticed that? We know that we have passed from death unto life. We know. And then he goes on and he says, hereby we know. Now, by this we know is what he's saying. And then sometimes he says, we do know that we know. That's pretty, that's pretty authoritative when you stop and think about it. We do know that we know. I'm going to tell you something. And just listen to this old gray-headed preacher. You can't always live for God on what you feel. You better know something. 
And sometimes you just have to live on what you know. Praise God. You say, well, what do I know that can help me to live right? Well, don't you know you've got the Holy Ghost? Don't you know you spoke in tongues? Sometimes you just have to stand on that experience and say, I know I got it. Do you feel it? No, I don't feel nothing. You say, you don't feel nothing? Well, I know I don't feel nothing. I'm not saying that for right at the moment. Yeah, I feel something right now. I feel the presence of the Lord. But have you ever got to where Job was at? I went forward and he wasn't there. Looked behind me, he wasn't there. Went to the right and he wasn't there. Went to the left. Have you ever prayed and felt like it didn't get no higher in the ceiling? You ever preached and it felt like it fell over the end of the pulpit? Sometimes it don't even get over the pulpit for me. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. When you know, and when you know that you know, praise God. When you know that you're in the will of God. And I want to tell you this. Every preacher that's pastoring a church, you need to believe and need to understand and need to know that I'm in the will of God because sometimes that's all you got. Praise God. Now, I'm just doing a little teaching here today. This is a Bible conference. I'm not trying to make you feel good. Brother Booker, make you feel good tonight. I'm just trying to help you in your heavenly journey. You don't, you don't, you know, you don't just have to feel pastoral all the time. Just, ooh, I'm a pastor. Ooh, I just feel like a pastor. Well, I feel like a bum sometimes. I feel like I've been run over the freight train sometimes. I don't just feel married all the time. But Sister Coon says, are you going to get the trash out today or not? I get to feeling married again. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've been married to her going on 49 years. Now, not that, not that I just lose the feeling that I want to go chasing some other woman or not some kind of ignorance like that. But I don't just go around just feeling. Oh, I just, Brother Liza, I just feel so married. Oh, my God. You just can't imagine. <laughs> You know? Well, I don't have to feel all of that to just be just married. My God, I know I'm married. Hallelujah. If I don't, if I don't know, bless Pat, I'm fixing to blind for find out pretty.